This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Okay, we're holding a Pashas MR, and, uh, but I will take the liberty of saying, of bringing some tidbits, because uh, I, it's not structured simply, but that I pick up as I was reading it, and things that are going to get to some of the other issues of Amuna. I wanted to share two articles, uh, both of them actually from the New York Times. One is April 3rd, one is March 29th. April 3rd is a very interesting one. It's about a doctor, who, um, Dr. Party, who was um, a leading practitioner in palliative care, which means helping people suffering from cancer um, having an easy death. Um, urging them basically not to fight for life when it seems pretty hopeless and, you know, just to accept uh, uh, the pain-killing aspect and so on and so forth. Um, she preached the, go- the gentle gospel of a profession, persuading patients to confront their illness and get their affairs in order, and above all, ensuring that their last weeks were not spent in unbearable pain. Now, um, it goes on to explain that she at the age of, she had had cancer when she was 31, uh, survived it, and then uh, when she was 40, she, it recurred again, and the way she explain, the way it's expressed, the next day as the doctors began to understand the extent of her underlying cancer, they asked me if I want palliative care to come and see me. She angrily refused. She had been telling other people to let go. But faced with that thought herself at the age of 40, she wanted to fight on. And the article goes on for seven pages um, about how she was willing to undergo the most grueling chemo. She knew what it is, she knew what chances, she still wanted to live. But here's a very interesting uh, understanding how person's philosophy changes with the circumstances and the fact that we so readily make a decision, wouldn't it be better for the old man to die? We don't take into account the person's wanting to live possibly, or that a person has an innate desire to live. It's just uh, an, an interesting article to see how a person's sheet and theirs changed when they were on the other side of the fence. The second one is uh, more to the theme of knowing Emmis and Shekhar. Um, it's about Roman Vishniak. Um, I don't know, many of you might be familiar, maybe everybody. Roman Vishniak was a photographer in the 1900s who traveled Eastern Europe in the 30s and photographed thousands and thousands of photographs of Jewish life in Eastern Europe. Um, the, the, they're available in books, very popular, a vanished world to give them light, um, children or something. Um, very, very powerful pictures, extraordinarily well done. Um, and they all portray poverty and uh, basically almost all from Jews in Eastern Europe. A picture's worth a thousand words. Unless the person forges a picture, pictures the truth and only the truth, and one reads the book and feels that this is the closest to Emmys he has ever gotten. Now, um, there is an article in March 29, 2010. It's called A Closer Reading of Roman Vishniak. It's a 10-page article, which basically has his daughter. This is, this is a woman doing a doctorate on, uh, in, in something and who touched base with, I think, the granddaughter of Vishniak. The bottom line is as follows. The pictures are genuine, that's correct, but there are captions on the pictures, and the captions are all um, not true. 
to simply just pluck out thin air. For instance, you have a picture of a girl laying in a pretty creepy, decrepit-looking room. There are these faded um, flowers painted on the wall, like, you know, something like uh, 40 years before somebody painted it. She's laying in bed, and it, the, the caption is called The Closest She Ever Got to Flowers, and it says this girl doesn't have shoes, so winter she's stuck in the house, and this is the closest she is to flowers. Um, in some, they went through his files of unpublished pictures. There's this little sweet little girl is in shoes, prancing about outside somewhere at a later point. So the, um, and, and so on and so forth. He has a picture of a child and an adult, two pictures side by side. One of them uh, kind of um, motions the other one, and he writes that he's, he's signaling to the man about the, the pogrom that's coming, and they're telling him to hide. Um, they later go through the pictures and realize they have no connection, so on and so forth. Basically, um, and interviewing people knew him, the conclusion is that all the captions that he made was simply uh, out of thin air. A second interesting part is he had officially commissioned these pictures. Had, he, he writes that this was like sort of a lishma, labor of love, to preserve a heritage, which would mean that these pictures were done at random, and he was, this was sort of a, a statistically valid snapshot of life in Eastern Europe. What they did find out in the records was he was hired by, I think it was the Joint Distribution Committee, to photograph poor religious families. They needed the pictures to raise money. This was, this was the clientele, which is valid. If somebody were to caption these pictures, these are poor families in uh, religious families in Europe, they're, they're probably valid. But one gets the impression that almost everybody was religious, which was not the case. Almost everybody lived in such grueling poverty, which is not the case. Now, as Legoufers Union, it's not so important to us, but what is important to us is, when we see pictures, w most of us have a hard time uh, discerning what's in the picture. Rightfully so. A picture can be many things. Is Ruvain slapping Shimon on the back? Is he stabbing him? Is he sneaking up on him? Is, are they posing? Um, the caption we automatically take as being part of the picture. We also take a picture and understand it to be a random sample when it's Labdafka random sample. So, um, excuse me, is that class here now? No. no. Okay. It's, we take it as a random sample when it's mapped after a random sample. It means that a lot of the things that we see, um, you know, even scientific uh, pictures, such as the, this is the following skeleton of this, this is this, this is that, you need to ask yourself, what do pictures say actually? Um, a, who's given the meaning to pictures? This is, these are, this is Roman Vishnak's work have been classic, they are widespread, They've, they, they are considered to be as genuine as they come, and yet um, this is something which is, um, it, 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 it's telling you a story that's false. Notice the information, the vast majority of the information you have from it is not true, which once again leads you to, uh, it, it leads one to be very careful that the conclusions of the things that you're given depends very much on the integrity of the person that's giving. Even a picture depends very, very much on the person. A, setting up the picture. Forget about forging a picture, but setting up the picture, choosing the picture. If you'll take a look in a newspaper, um, <coughs> the n if newspapers that are pro a certain candidate but are too um, 
too cosmopolitan to write just against, for him or against him, the picture they choose. And, and you, you take a thousand pictures of a person, and one of them he looks haughty, and one of them he looks sweet, and one of them he looks confounded, and one of them he looks very embittered, and you carefully choose the pictures, and people say, oh, so-and-so is being arrested, and you have a picture of him looking very worried. It looks like this is his reaction to being arrested. It may have been just another photo when he, I don't know, when he, when he, when he ate something he shouldn't have eaten, and he sort of looks kind of sick. There's no, pictures are much more misleading because the meaning behind the pictures is given to you by somebody. Okay, those are two items I just wanted to share in the ongoing um, Inyana, just uh, help us get a better sense of how we approach fact and, and the knowledge and so on. Now let's go to the things that are Emes Benitzchus. The first one is the mitzvah of the Isser of Tumas Meis for Kohanim and what's the tach, what's the time for it? It's a Sefer Chinuch. The Chinuch says that being that Kohanim are of a higher stature, Kohanim are people that Akash Baruch chose to be over Hashem, so therefore they have to distance themselves from a mace. Um, in a general sense, he says, the, uh, I've explained to you that Tumah is something which in, in a broad picture are things that are bad, things that are um, not, they, they belong to the things that are nimas vanilla, even though it's not a physical mos, but it is shy after the world of mos. What's the reason for it? So he says, a person consists of a physical self and a spiritual self, and a shaman a good. The person, when they're integrated, can be good, can be fairly good, can be very good. The Inuit says, Ki tova. When the seichel, which is the life force, leaves a person, and then the body by itself is left, it represents the flesh which only desires, only craves for the bad. And it, it caused the nefesh to, um, to do, it caused the nefesh itself to do various as well. So in other words, as long as the person is an integrated guf and nefesh, one can look at the entire picture and say, you know, it's different aspects. But when we separate the two, you're left looking at the part of the person that has dragged him down and is innately hepach of Kedusha. Therefore, he says, The reason why Mace is metame, everything around him, is because you've basically boiled it down to the coarse part of the person that is prone for Avera. And therefore, he says, it's, it therefore, it's appropriate that Kohanim, who are over the Hashem, should distance themselves from it. So he raises the problem, so why can they, and they are mechuyev, to be mitame to their relatives? So he says, Zulasi bekroivim, shechuta lehem kachiyem psarim hu, Torah noam unisoser shalim. The Torah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, could not, did not, distance them from Krovim because Darke Torah 
The Torah did not want to cause them anguish. That they become very, very emotional about uh, a close one who dies. That they won't be able to get close to him. To pour out their hearts. And to satiate themselves with crying on it. So the Chinuch tells us, first of all, the Torah itself is not coming. The Darchi Noam, the right, the right um, way of expressing Jocher Darchi Noam is as follows: um, When a person is traveling on a road, so the road is never the tachlis. In other words, I can't tell you, um, if I tell you, wh- why don't you drive down to Washington? And the person will ask, well, w- what do I have to do in Washington? And I'll say, well, the I-95 is, is a beautiful road. Um, the, uh, by definition, almost the road is not a, a destination, and, and it's not, it, it's, you're not interpreting it as good in terms of um, destination. But, in terms of does it fit? In other words, if you have a, a, a road that doesn't match the tires, if you have tires that don't match the axle, it's very bumpy. Torah is, Zohar it, it, doesn't mean that the mitzvahs themselves are rewarding on a physical or even emotional level, but it means the Torah fits the emotional needs of a person. There is not going to be any special, there's not going to be any mitzvah that doing it really runs counter to the toven, per, to, to the nature of a person. So, um, Avelus is something that is within the nature of a person, and Torah mitzvahs run, in, run within the thread of that. That's uh, point one. Okay. Yes? I mean, in certain halachas of Avelus, it, it, it does seem that it could run. For instance, for instance, if somebody Valenu buries their mace, Arab Yomtov, and then their availus is cut short, and they have no availus. So, so it's it's true that it's a specific case where we need to choose between two important yonim. So, so it, it's you know, it's normal availus runs a certain course of time, but Yomtov he has to you know, it, it's a collision course between two things. It's not everything, but in generally speaking, you know, the, the layout of the mitzvahs. You're talking about an extraordinary case where two mitzvahs are on a collision course. And we need to prefer one over the other. It's like motherly love is great, but sometimes you need to choose between one of two Siamese twins. And, and it's not the, you know, so in that case, it's overriding something rather than the Etzim Mitzvah. But that's the Mitzvah itself, and it's actually in Halach, it's used in all, sorts of, in all sorts of instances as a way of explaining a certain Mitzvah and so on. Um, so it means it runs. The second point here that is, maybe so obvious that it need not emphasize, but I think today it's not so obvious. Normal human emotions are a very important part of a person's um, personality, needs, and it's part of the um, and I guess, let me give, let me sketch out the example. A person is sitting and misable on a mace. It, um, now, I come along and I say to him, well, 
if you believe in that the nefesh is now in Gan Eden and it's going to go up what's all this Avelis about? It's nonsense. Don't be misabul. To which the answer is, well, it's a halach and shaharach. So I'm only doing it to be a kind of shaharach. For it, 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 it's, it's the wrong approach for 99.99% of the people. Means Torah goes with it, it fits, it snaps into place in human emotion. Avelus is the extraordinary tsar that a person feels at a prayer that on the emotional level is forever. Um, we don't live on the intellectual level, we live on the emotional level, and the genuine human emotion is, and, and a person has to express it in Avelus. If a person is rational in Avelus, it's not exactly a cause, it doesn't fall on the paraduma. Um, now, the, the, it is true. The Chinuch later speaks about a Kain Gadol. That's like the next mitzvah of the Chinuch. A Kain Gadol does not mourn even crave him. So the Chinuch says because the Kain Gadol's madrega is that he's almost in Olam Haba. And um, it's, it's, so he, in his world, where he's standing, he really doesn't see the, the, the um, he doesn't really see the Avelis. But, but any other person is fooling himself. I, um, in thinking that that's what he feels. Um, it's very, very important to understand the normal human emotion and to live with it. I, I, as a, I guess as, as a, I, I, the, on the thread of going off more off topic, it, it's one of our problems in today's door where the ideal is so powerful we, we have a lot of ideal situations in terms of Shmiras HaMitzvahs, in terms of Limitara. We, we, we're living, and Akash Baruch has granted us a luxury of being able to do a lot of things, where you'd have one beaten up Lulav and Esri for community. Today, everybody can afford to go 50, uh, to 50 100 Lulav and Esri and pick with, like, on, uh, the, with the smallest pitch to get the best one. And Tamatara, where you'd have once upon a time, maybe one in a town, two in a town could sit and learn so much. Today, we really have the ability to, to learn so much. Um, in the old, the, 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 we sometimes confuse a very high expectation with a general expectation. If a person, I, I, I once, I mean, I, I've gone to a base of I once had a situation of, of being in, a, in, in Tuba, the base of in a very short period of time. Both people lost children, terrible. Um, one was an Arden Godel, almost a very fine young man, young young man, idealistic, fine. The Adam Gadol expressed great and deep avelus with a depth. That it wasn't just uh, the normal sense of reaction. There was a deep sense of avelus, and and being there was a, was a sense of standing on the shoulders of a giant at some of his toughest moments and seeing uh, something sublime about his avelus. There was an avelus of living through a terrible tsar with with fine and deep irrigation. The man was. Um, really meant well, but his attitude was kind of, yeah, it's nothing, it's better than Olam Haba for the kid, and this is just this, and it's exactly because we said Avelis. What bothered me more anything else was, it wasn't genuine either. That's not how he felt. That's not how his wife felt. They were, and it, 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 you know, but there was a feeling that this is the way you're supposed to be. This is the way you're supposed to look at it. Um, you're supposed to look at it with the Tsar of Avelis, unless you're the kind God of the door, and you're supposed to say, but I understand that my feelings and understandings are limited and HaKadosh Baruch is the end of it and there will be an Ahama. It's, it's, it's a belief because that's not the reality where a person is and that's a very, very important distinction.
Um, he says over here that letting out emotion is a real need. He says, Lishpech has rufcham, ulehazbiya nafshem fchiolav. Somehow, people go to base Oval and they feel that the job is to joke him out of his avelus, or to be mesiach das avelus. That's not, Baruch Hashem, modern psychology understands it. Yeah, it's, uh, we've been able to um, see Bechush. The way to cope with a difficult situation is not to ignore it, not to ignore one's emotions. Um, the tzad that a person feels, the expressing of it, the person is supposed to come and give an air to the oval to allow him to express his Bechir and his Avelus. That's what comforting means. So by Eob, they came Lonad Reish, to shake the head with it. In other words, when a person is able to empathize with the other person, to live through its tzar with the other person, it allows that person to express his tzar and allows the person to absorb some of that, and that is the nichum process. Um, so, if I to put it in a nutshell, nichum avela means going there, allowing, opening oneself up to listening to the ovals, feelings about the person, tzar the person, the chayness of the person. It's it's a process that's to quote that's must be a nafsham bevechyolov and that's the biggest chatzik with a person at that time is to allow him to emote and yourself to empathize and be part of it um, and he says then he concludes going back to the point that he started about that the gufus mitame he said I seen a remis for that tam the fact that Chazal say that tzaddik and are not mitame um, and the reason is um, he feels, what's the reason why they not Because their body was always holy, their body was pure, and therefore they never, it never sinned, it never caused sin, and therefore it's not going to be metami. Um, Since the body never caused the soul to sin, it therefore is Kaddish and so on. The next piece is a piece from the Barbanel. Uh, I don't know if we've ever done a Barbanel yet. The Barbanel is very interesting. He's from the last uh, of the classic Mefarshim. He lived. He he lived through Gerush Asfarad. Um, he usually is a Maasef Cholmachne. He gathers together um, a lot of the Kadmonim and a lot of key issues. We'll see in different places. He will gather all the sheets and bring them down, and will argue with some of them, all of them. As, but he'll bring it down. Also very clear, kind of, he's, he's methodical, I would say is the right word for it. Very structured, he sets up caches. Um, he's, he, he does write at length, and that's always scares away people. We've tried to just um, bring uh, it as briefly, you know, to, to, to be Mekatzer. His peers on Tanakh, actually, is the basis for the Malbum. Um, the Malbum basically writes that he based himself on the Babinel's themes and ideas. Um, he was considered a bit more to the philosophers, but he does bring the Kabbalim, um, so he's um, one of the classic Mepharshim. He says here, The Tachlis of the Adam, um, and his Shlemus, in other words, Tachlis in the sense uh, uh, means the end point, and what gives him a Shlemus is that at the end, the two halves of the body split apart, and None of the nefesh is left in the guf. None of the guf is left associated with the nefesh. That's called misa at its best. That the nefesh leaves the guf without having picked up 
any of the nature of the goof, <coughs> but it's, co- it's, it's like a, a, it's a clean separation. It's like, um, imagine somebody working in a difficult environment, he works with criminals or whatever, and he can pick himself up, leave, and when he's not in his work office, there's nothing, nothing remains, no impression remains of the bad that was associated with him. Um, and like Kohala says, Ideally, the earth returns, the person's earthiness returns to the land, to the earth. And the spirit goes back to the God that gave it. And Chazal interpret it, they say, give it back the way it was given to you. The soul was given to you clean, without any bliss, without any absorption of chayma, give it back. That, however, the Ronald says in the next paragraph, that separation is very, very hard to find by people. The, the cuts don't come clean because Alpirov, um, the Nefesh, has a tremendous netia to the Homer. Um, because they live together. It's just like if you put two, if you put two people together, no matter how distinct and disparate they are, they absorb from each other. Um, in, in, in halacha Belia is part and parcel of halacha the fact that things in contact there will always be migration of different elements between the two and therefore when a person dies um, the, the, there will remain different elements in the guf and in the nefesh that are not clean and that's why and, that's, and that Chazal say that the nefesh of a wicked person is, it's, it's, it, 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 Chazal give different levels of death that is difficult. Um, in a Nashika is like taking um, a hair out of milk, and a difficult Misa is like taking wool against a rusty metal or something like that. I don't, I don't know exactly what the, um, something along those lines something very, very, that gives you the creeps. Um, the, the, the reason, f- it, what it means is the, um, when two things are completely separate, there is no difficulty in um, separating them into two different parts. The, the hair is laying on the milk, but they never comes mixed together. Mises Neshika means a person has an ashama that never commingled with the goof, when Akash comes and takes it, it doesn't, uh, the nefesh is very happy to go and has nothing with it. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's completely separate. The Misa Vishoyim is very difficult because the nefesh has become interwoven with the group. It's like Velcro, it's just, it just stuck together. And to tear it away, to tear the nefesh away from it is very difficult. There's an old one of those famous Yiddish anecdotes slash jokes that a man um, uh, a man uh, a woman fell in love with, with a man who was a schnarr and uh, she was a wealthy woman and she liked him, he was a handsome fellow and uh, he said he agrees to marry her but he's very very worried that she's going to start pulling rank on him You know, so he's just a schnarr and she's a kind of princess and a Jewish princess, so um, 
he, it doesn't say if it was American or not. But uh, she was very fed that she was So he said she must spend a, uh, a year, he, he, that she must spend a year with him collecting house to house. So um, she said, no way. He said, fine, then it's not a deal. She wanted him. At the end, she very, very, very reluctantly agreed. And for a year, she spent a wretched year going with him from house to house, collecting insults and some food, this and that. At the last day, the sun began to set, and the Schnurrer turns to his wife and says, okay, in another 10 minutes, we're, that's it, it's over. He said, you know, there's another row of houses afterwards. It, it would be a shame just to, to let it go like that. Um, sort of the, 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 the idea of the anecdote being, once you get used to something, no matter how bad it is, you kind of let it become part of you. But that's the Ruach HaTumur with the mace. He says, and because in general, you know, we can't, the Chavit Kadisha can't sit down and decide every mace, hmm, is, well, how big of a tzaddik was it? Almost every single person, as a rule, everyone has some sort of association with this goof. The Torah was Geyze Tumor Chamur Kola Tumis Tumis Adamais. Because that's where Tumor comes from. It comes from this Chelik of a person. It doesn't separate itself and, uh, and go one here and one there, but rather there are things left over. It's, yes? Is it saying that, that a, a true tzaddik scoop would not be mis- but or just Correct. Cor- has already been well, well, what are you saying? Well, that he's not going to Allah, but he's saying, you know, it's, it's a general cloud that holds true for humanity as a rule and so on. I, I want to add a point, though, that's sort of subtle, but it's in his words. But let's think about it. Um, the, the, uh, the what, what, what has happened here? The, the neshama itself, the pure part of the person has gone up lamala. Some of his life force, however you understand it, has been left to be part of the guf. Um, that life force, the guf, he's not talking so much about the guf itself, that's not mitami. That's metame. Because in the Barbanel's approach, the goof itself would not be metame. Because if the cut was clean, like what it should be, the goof is a piece of earth that's nothing, nothing to it. It's because it has trapped a bit of nefesh to it. That's where the tumma is. The tumma is this chalak of nefesh that couldn't separate itself. That's where tumma lies. So it, as opposed to the chinof that says the goof and its urges and its cravings are tumma, the, the, I think the Ramana makes a finer point. The Nisharu Bemyanam Azikim Tam is going on the goof. The chalak of nefesh that stays with it, that's that's and that's what uh, and that's what Chacham said. At some is other metamin, at some is come any metamin in the Yadayim the the, the Mishnah points out like absurdities. And one of them was how could it be human bones are tummy? Uh Hamor's bones are not tummy. It says the fishain hatuma alakifi eruva nefesh beguf. The tumma is because the nefesh is mixed to guf. So we're talking about the bones of the dead person didn't release all the nefesh. There was a part of the nefesh that got stuck to it, that's where the tumma is. Now he says, to answer your point about uh tzadikim, um, you do find in extraordinary cases people that didn't have that connection, but the other way around. Their physical was completely um, subsumed to their seichel. And when they died, not, their physical had no way to take any part of nefesh with it. 
And then the neshama, this tahar, leaves the goof completely without any stop. And he says that is an extraordinary event. This is not something that is readily to be found. This, this, these are the palladic events. He calls it a plea. And then the goof has no tumor because the offer goes back to the aretz and offer is not makabal tumor. So that's the Pshatnik Marak Subis, going back to Singamara, basically that the Chinech is alluding to, that when Rebbe died, Kahuna was bottled. Because Rabbeinu HaKadosh was divine in his nefesh and his maizim. And therefore, he was almost not human when it came to it. Um, and it says Rebchia, that Rebchia says when a person like that dies, there is no Tumas Mace, and there is no Tumas for Kahanim, because his guf had no with it. And that's why Kohan Kuhn Kvura and so on and so forth. So the um the 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 again goes back to the same Indian as the Chinuch that we can say about extraordinary people that they're not Mitami, that's the Pshatna Gemara there. And um, as far as the general idea of Tuma is because something in the goof has been left that is um, bad. The difference is the chinuch seems to point to the guf itself as being bad. Avarinel seems to point to the part of the nefesh that has not succeeded lifting itself out. That's where the bad is. If I want to compare something to it, I'll, I'll say over something my Rebbe used to say over Reb used to say the neshama is the holiest part of the person. But if I could, and the guf is the bad part. But but Chazal tell us that mazikim, shedim, mazikim, are neshamas that don't have a guf. Being in this world without a guf is a mazik. That's what he used to say. The Chaim had his sort of cryptic way of speaking. He loved paradoxes and so on. Um, what he meant was, a person who has lofty ideals, but doesn't have the wherewithal and the chachmas, Chaim, how to appropriately realize it, ends up being destructive. In other words, um, a guf, a, a, a neshama needs a guf in the world. Mazikim are supposedly more spiritual than people. It says a little bit like malachim. But, but since they are not completely spiritual, it, 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 they, are, they can be destructive. A nefesh and a neshama, when, when it's within the guf inappropriately, that becomes a churban as well. So, so there's that koach of, of mazikim, which is worse, um, Rebchaim Shavu is expressed about a nefesh without a guf, but, but in the words of the Abarbanel, I see it, it's a nefesh that's trapped into gufnius is much worse than the guf. The guf itself is a dead piece of meat. It's earth. It's neither good nor bad. A nefesh that is earthy is much worse. Um, and, that's the, and that's the piece of, of uh, that's, that's the piece of the puzzle that has to come to it. Okay? Really? Another uh, question? Sure. Uh, there's, I've heard about that this Indian of Tzadikim, that goof doesn't necessarily decompose or something. Right. Does, how does that fit in here? Is that um, it, we, we will see at some point, um, I don't remember where it is, uh, there's a run and so on, that anything that became, there's another Madrega, anything that was a vehicle for Kedusha begins to absorb some Kedusha. But not only, it, it, the, the, there are different madregas. There is, um, there, there's a madrega where the person's nefesh is completely unaffected by, by the guf. There's a darga 
like Hamor of Pinchas Ben Yoya, where the guf and chaymer is affected by the um, by the nefesh. So the the the, the, the Ran says it's a Joshua Ran that on he speaks about Mata Aaron, about Mata Moshe being uh, being that darga, that those things that were associated with kedusha they themselves become a vehicle for kedusha. So the guf of a tzaddik, since it served as a, as a vehicle for nefesh, for neshama, it itself becomes Kaddish. That's the, so that's sort of, I guess, another aspect. I'm sure Benach Kaddish was the same dagger, but it's another aspect of it. Okay.